So then, if you awaken from this illusion, persistence of vision. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Persistence of Vision podcast, inspiring conversations wherever you are and indeed wherever you are not. I want to have a conversation, Obi. It's working already. Yes, you've been inspired to have a conversation. I have. Let's converse about books. Let's talk about our website uh, for Persistence of Vision Publishing. It is pov-publishing.com. There you can read uh essays comics poetry you can see all the links to all our previous websites i mean our uh, previous podcasts sorry and uh you can also buy my book which is called why so much by lance myers you can also buy your book right lb that's right the goddamn fool by lbdo follow the links buy the books uh converse talk to your friends about them buy two copies if you need to i think you will need to well speaking of things and books and people who have read books, we are very honored and pleased today to welcome to our show a true Oklahoman, a true musician, a true hero of the music scene here in Austin, Texas, a philosopher, a king, and a rock star, as I've already mentioned. Wild Bill Ogden, the uh, greatest of the great. I didn't know you were from Oklahoma, Bill. I didn't know I was a good person. <laughs> this is awesome. This Welcome. This would be a great day. I'm definitely an Oklahoman. Fantastic. And Wild Bill is here to talk about the book, The Alchemist. Yes. Tell us a little bit. Don't eat, don't eat any crackers. Wild Bill. <laughs> I wasn't going to. Okay. And They're quails, LB. They're quails. Oh, okay. uh, I just have to say one thing before we start. We're continuing the drinking game from Moby Dick. Anytime anybody says whale, you have to take a drink. <laughs> Outstanding. And we're adding the God word, so... Everybody take two drinks. Okay. That's God and whale. Four Here drinks. it comes. There it comes. Everybody's drinking. Glug, glug, glug. All right. We're getting our drink on. We're Back talking the about The Alchemist. Game. The Alchemist by Paulo who? What is his last name? Oh, I believe it's Colo. That's Colo. how I say it. I think it's... I, th I, I think it's... Colo. Coelho. 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 It's Portuguese. It's yeah. Coolio. It's Coolio, yes. The <laughs> Coolio, not only the rapper who brought us... Uh, Gangster's Paradise, not only a juggalo, but the author of The Alchemist. Tell us a little bit about he The Alchemist. He wrote it in, uh, what, uh, two weeks? Two weeks, yes. I was not hip to that fact, but I read it in about two weeks, which is great. So I basically read it as he was reading it. In, in real time. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, this book was an interesting choice because um, I, I read this when I was young, so I wanted to kind of reread it. And... Um, uh, I started rereading it, and I was like, oh, we kind of went into the self-help religion realm here. But that's okay, because I'm comfortable talking about religion and self-help. Wild Bill is comfortable talking about almost any subject. Really, we can talk about it. Um, this book, uh, to summarize, is about a young man named Santiago. Although, once you learn his name, they never say it again. It's, nah. it's the young Arab boy, it's the boy, it's the boy... It's, a, it's mostly the boy, is what they call him. The boy. And Even though he's, what, like 17 or 18, something like that? Yeah, and he's uh, fully independent, and I get no indication he does his own laundry. So but he's the same age as our super intern, Union Brooks. Union is here. <laughs> Union's in the house. Union ate a whale. Take a drink. Uh-oh. Glug. <laughs> I should let you know we're eating imitation goldfish. Well, I'm not supposed to be, but I kind of am, and that was to Moby Dick. Um, this... 
book is about a young man realizing what's called his personal legend. That's what they call it in this book. And on the back cover here, it says, to realize one's destiny is a person's only obligation. That's mm. a compelling back cover. Think about that. Think about that. So this young man is struggling like we all do. He's a shepherd, probably from an area much like Oklahoma or the British equivalent known as Wales, North Wales especially. <laughs> and uh, he's a shepherd, so he's a traveler. And he's looking for a little bit more in life. But he also has already left his family to be a shepherd. So he's kind of a rock star already. Yeah. We know about shepherds because we previously discussed the book Independent People. I don't know if that's the, is that the drinking term? Independent is a drinking term? Uh, no, indep- no. Independent it means you have to put your drink back in the glass. <laughs> oh, I hate that game. Independent People uh, actually has a lot in common with this book, it feels like. Uh, they both... Um, feel like fairy tales almost. Yeah. So that's one fun thing about this book I'll say is, what, and maybe why I chose it, is it's fun to read. It, as someone who doesn't read a whole lot, uh, I'll admit to that. It's a really fun read. A lot happens fast. Um, it's a book about a young man's journey about finding himself, I guess, and um, obviously trying to make that relate to everyone else. And it also reminded me strangely, of a book I read in business school called Who Moved My Cheese. Has yes. anyone at the table read Who Moved My Cheese? I have not read Afraid it. Not. I've heard of it. Don't worry. Number one bestseller. It's the stupidest thing you've ever read. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> a bunch of rich guys got together and said, I'll explain life to you. Here. <laughs> three rats in a cage. Picture it. One chunk of cheese. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy. They move the cheese. This Whoa. is literally how the book reads. Mm-hmm. One rat was smart enough to go through the maze and find more. The other rats were like, oh, they moved my cheese. What will I do now? There's no cheese here. Only one rat was smart enough to find the cheese or go find it. So the other rats go look for the cheese, and instead of the cheese, they find some fairly obvious comments about how life works on the wall of the maze. <laughs> and they just stop at the maze and like, you know, life is really like this, blah, 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 blah. And uh, this book gets a little bit like that for me, but not bad. It's it's more clever than Who Moved My Cheese by a lot. <laughs> so the book does have a lot of lessons for the reader. A lot of lessons. It does suffer from one big failure I call the Stephen King effect. Uh, if you've ever tried to read it, you might be really scared until the end when you realize the bad guy is nothing more than a spider alien, which is no longer scary to me. <laughs> it's uh, just kind of funny. No spoilers here, of course. Oh, I can't do spoilers? <laughs> no, no, you can't. So... Yeah, You're really going to hate my ending then. <laughs> uh, so I won't spoil the ending, but it's hilarious. Uh, uh, what, if we, what if I go all the way up to the ep- uh, Oh, you epilogue? can spoil anything you want. Yay. Spoil away. Making an ironic comment about the fact that so you I just love spoiled this book. the book. This book is the most beautiful story ever. It's about this boy who follows his heart, and that it teaches you how to follow your heart, teaches you destiny, teaches you about... Uh, um, I don't know. I like it because it's kind of a dreamer's disease book. As an artist, it's pretty good like that. But um, yeah, there's some practical help in here, maybe. Um, the ending. Can we just skip to the ending? Well, of course. Because the crystal shop is at the beginning. It's probably the most important thing we need to talk about and spend some time on. Okay. And well, the, before you get to the ending, you have to. I think we should probably tell the readers or the listeners rather. Uh, 
so the setup is he has a recurring dream, right? Oh, the that's boy has good, a Lance. The, the boy has Lance a recurring dream. Lance read the dream. book. <laughs> yeah, and, Lance. Uh, someone tells him that he is dreaming about treasure that he can find in Egypt. Right. This is the actual plot of the book. And He's, so he makes a pilgrimage to Egypt. Yeah, he's going to the pyramids. Don't eat any crackers while, Bill. We're on the air. You did a really good job of not saying the W words. What if I just suck on them? Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's going to get this treasure, and uh, he's going to the pyramids to get the treasure. And along the way, he meets all these really interesting people. Good job, Union. And and one is the a road gi- picture. One's a gypsy. He meets a gypsy woman, and the gypsy woman. Uh, is going to tell him about his fortune, but she, once she, uh, something happens and she says, whoa, you've, you've actually got a future, kid. I want a tenth of whatever you get. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, a tenth of something that doesn't exist? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll take that free fortune. Tell me. And huh. she says, pyramid, or just, I think something about pyramids comes out, whatever, and he goes on. And then he meets the king. And the king's a little interesting character. First of all, the king, he doesn't think as a king at first because he's dressed like a crazy person. Then all of a sudden he flashes a gold chest plate. So King. King. King, obviously. King gives him these rocks that are like yes or no, tells him about the omens. Yes or Uh, no rocks. He's got that one thing I think (laughs) is kind of interesting. He's got this book that he's carrying along with him that he never understands, right? And he's he's got this book, and he's like, "Oh, the, there's all these names in here. It's the most difficult book to understand. Most difficult." The king book to read. is carrying the book. The kid, the boy, the San, boy, Santiago is. is his name. It says the boy by this point. He'll never hear Santiago again. Um, and the king says, "I've read that book. That's a good book." And he says, "How would you know about this book, homeless guy under Ben White and two ninety? <laughs> uh, sorry, same thing. Anyway, he finds out he's a king. The king understands this book. So, the king basically blows his mind. Flips him, tells him, look, you're on the right path. I know about this kind of stuff. Gives him these two rocks. Tells him they're going to tell him along his path, whatever. Tells him about the omens. And he's got to go find his thing. And then he gets robbed. Mm-hmm. And the deceived. Gets he robbed. gets deceived. The boy gets deceived and robbed, trying to go to the pyramids the first time. And he's stuck in a town. And when he gets stuck in that town, he has to work at a crystal shop. And in the crystal shop, basically, I think, Every person needs to read this book who has never worked a real job. And they're out there. And the older I get, the more I realize they're out there. Because the crystal shop is basically saying, look, work a real job one time in your life. Because <laughs> the kid works a job that's not his dream. And he learns to kind of, you know, embrace what he's got going on, right? And so he makes the crystal shop beautiful. Lo and behold, he makes the crystal shop successful. And now the, the guy's selling tea and the crystal. They're making all this money. And he has a talk with the crystal shop owner. And lo and behold, the crystal shop owner also has a dream. Whoa. The crystal shop owner wants to make his Mecca, wants to visit Mecca. He wants to make the trip to Mecca. The Hodge. Yes. He wants to go to Mecca. So he now has enough money to do that because sure. the boy has saved his crystal shop which he didn't want to do. I also find this is interesting. Basically, the crystal shop owner seemed to think, I've got all the resources to make all this money to go to Mecca, but I'm just not going to do it. And the kid comes in and shows him he's wrong, I guess. But it's the value of hard work. It's the value of a lot of things that it's showing. It's very strange. The uh, crystal shop owner basically looks like kind of a dick, I guess, in my opinion. Anyway... (laughs) 
He moves on from the crystal shop because they make a lot of money. And now he's got money to go to the pyramids. So now he's rich. He's going to buy a camel. Who knows what a camel costs? And he's going to go to the pyramids. And then he goes on this, and he meets the Englishman. The Englishman's the smart guy who wants to meet the alchemist, which is the title of our book today. The kid, the son, the boy... Santiago meets the Englishman. Englishman yes. The Englishman wishes to meet the alchemist. Yes. And this is the first we're hearing of this alchemist. Yes, it is. And the alchemist can turn lead into gold, of course, which is what an alchemist is, to my understanding. And uh, master of the universe and all things wise, kind of. So, kid joins caravan. Him and the Englishman don't get along. The kids learning all these things from observing, and they're talking about books one day, and and the, the Englishman says, "You need to read these books because you're enlightened." You're enlightened. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, Santiago says, "Well, you need to pay attention to the desert because you got your head up your ass, and you're never going to learn anything from these books." Mm. So they do the switcheroo, and one interesting thing is that the kid seems to learn from the books a little bit, but they give you the impression that the Englishman never learns. He learns anything from, from the, the desert. desert. No, but that's here and there, and there's a lot of statements like that. I want to segue into this portion of the show. I'm going to call interesting quotes that don't belong in this book. There's one sentence in this book that's totally against the theme and flow, and I could almost look it up right now if I'd remove these whales. <laughs> Drink um, from my book. It says, um, oh, what were we talking about right there? The Englishman. He says, I'll find that damned alchemist. Huh. All of a sudden, the Englishman has an, uh, a personality. Yeah. And a fiery one. <laughs> and, and then it's over. Like, that's like the most offensive, hottest thing the Englishman says. That's his big moment. In this caravan, they're going... Uh, to the pyramids, they get to the oasis, and there's this tribal war going on, and they're like, we can't go any further. Tribal war. If we stay in the oasis, nobody can attack us because it's a it's a rule, neutrality in the oasis. Sure. And this is where Santiago meets the fat girl for the first time. <laughs> Fatima. Fatima. Fatima, I think is her name. Fatima. It we'll call her Fatima. Fatima. Uh, it's very misleading in the title. <laughs> He meets Fatima, which is his soulmate, even though uh, this should be said, he has another girl he likes in another town. Sure, sure. Well, oh, he's a traveler. He's a traveling man. Should we talk about the idea of being a traveler versus being a baker? Because that gets talked about. I think that's the king. Well, yeah. I mean, Santiago, like, so he's the, a worldly man. Yeah. And, and the whole thing, like, he begins this. I mean, I'm sorry. He, but he's supposed to be a priest or, or a priest. Yeah, priest, right? Right. His, his yeah, family yeah. wants he's him to a, be a priest. He's a man he says, of no, the I want to. I want to go. He's trap. a priest. Well, that's going to be boring. I and he's never be... going to get it wet. <laughs> and so, you know, he wants Whoa. to be a rock star shepherd. He wants to go on tour. He wants to go on tour, and he does. He's a successful shepherd. His family hated it, but he did that. And uh, at one point, he's having a deep conversation with the king or the someone in this book, and they say. The baker wants to be a baker, and the baker's going to be a baker, but you didn't want to be a baker. You wanted to be a traveler. If you wanted to have your wife and eat it too, <laughs> you should be a baker. But you're a traveler, so you're going after this personal legend. Sure, personal legend. Anyway, the Englishman has a personal legend, and they have all this talk in common, the omens and such. And um, the alchemist just so happens to be at the oasis that they stop at. Mm-hmm. 
No doubt the Elmans are talking to everyone in this book now. We got Fatima, we got the alchemist, we got the Englishman, and and um, we've got the chieftains. So in the middle of this time, everybody thinks things are going pretty well. The boy, Santiago, goes out to the desert and sees these two hawks fighting. Whoa. And says, that's speaking to me. I know the omens. I'm an evolved human being. There, that's a symbol, and we're going to have a war. There's a war. They're, they're going to attack the oasis. So he goes back, and he says to the chieftains, after much deliberation, they're going to attack. I know the, the way the world works. Mm-hmm. These two hawks fought, and let me tell you, we're going to get attacked. And they say, well, why do you think you know that these two hawks fighting means that, basically? And he says, well, I know the soul of the world. I know the language of the universe. Blah, 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 blah. They listen to him for whatever reason. They get attacked. And let me tell you, never F-U-C-K with an oasis because they get slaughtered. The oasis wins. And they knock down everybody in the army. Thanks to Santiago's warning. So now Santiago is, hey, we love you. You're a you're a seer. You're a, you you speak the language of the universe. You just need to be here. Yeah. And he says, no, I got to go have my personal legend. I got personal my treasure legends. waiting for me at the paradise. Time to spike the football. <laughs> so they leave, and the alchemist leads him out the way to the pyramids. And uh, just when you think this book is over, uh, more trouble happens. Oh. And. Uh, <laughs> These guys come up and say, uh, the military camp takes men and says, who the hell are you guys? And they say, well, we're just these alchemists, and we can turn lead into gold, and we can do all this. They say, no, you can't, and we're going to kill you. And uh, so the uh, alchemist, light on his feet, says, hey, boy, you got a lot of money. Let's take your money and save our asses here. Mm-hmm. And so they give the money to the army, and they say, okay, great. And he says, this boy's an alchemist, and he can... Make the wind talk or something, and some thing. he can turn himself into the wind. He can turn himself into the wind. They say, oh, "Okay," and he says that he needs three days to do this. And uh, the kid says, "Hey, why'd you say that? I can't turn myself into the wind." And the alchemist basically says, "Well, you better find a way because that's the only thing that's going <laughs> to save our asses." I bought us three days. You do what you got to do, kid. <laughs> and uh, that's where it turns a little Stephen King for me. Because all of a sudden, the boy has a conversation with the wind. Then he has a conversation with the desert. And I think he has a conversation with love. So we're getting really deep at this point. All great things to read. All great lessons. Mm-hmm. The, uh, he, he, I dare say he charms the desert, the wind, and love. And lo and behold, a big windstorm happens. And the guys are like, holy moly. Like, wow, kids, the wind. Okay, I I guess you're right. You can go. It's about a two on the believability scale for me. But what does it mean, <laughs> Wild Bill? What does it mean that what he can it turn into, into the, the wind? What it means is that... Why did Coolio write this? What it means... Well, uh, <laughs> what it means is that he's evolved into a, a higher person with a lot of understandings, and he's basically demonstrating his understanding of the world in such a way that these people are blown away. I think it's the metaphor there. Speaking of metaphors, <laughs> they're also blown word, away. Also, like word in the whale. Yeah, and, another, <laughs> and a pun, a bad pun, and a really 
bad metaphor, which was brought up in the Moby Dick thing multiple times. Story about a whale. <laughs> Drink. You know, there's a couple things we haven't mentioned about this book, which I had never heard of until Wild Bill. You brought it to my attention recently. And I'm surprised that I hadn't because it turns out that, A, it was an Oprah Winfrey book club selection. I'm not going to say that's not where I heard about this book. (laughs) (laughs) And, B, it sold over 20 million copies. Right. came out in 88. 88. It's one of the best-selling books of all time. Right. It's a lot like my Christmas musical. It's a genius piece of work that few people have heard of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is your Chris, uh, Christmas musical, by the way, Wild Bill? We're going to segue into that right after this giveaway ending. So after, after we have gotten away and we proved the wind is there, the alchemist says, you're on your way, boy. Final chapter, go dig up that treasure. Your heart will tell you where it's at. Go look for the sign of life. You can find life in the desert. Boom. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This same alchemist told him that he had to turn into the wind in three days, and now he's listening to this guy? Oh, yeah, because he did it. Oh, because he did it, that's and right. And it saved his life. Well, and also all of his money saved <laughs> his life. And uh, by the way, everybody listening out there, don't forget it's really good in life to have a lot of money, which saves his kids' butt like three times in this book. Yes. Um, also, another great title for the alchemist would be The Luckiest Son of a Bitch on the Planet, because here's what happens next. He goes to the pyramids, he looks for a sign of life, he finds a beetle, he digs under the beetle, and then two more guys in the desert come and say, what are you doing here? We're going to kill you. Because <laughs> he's digging under the beetle. And they mess this guy up. I mean, they jack him up to the point of death, and he's sitting there bleeding with nine of his teeth gone, and they're like, don't worry, homie, you're not going to die. You're an idiot, but you're not going <laughs> to die. And and then they say, insult to injury, I imagine they kick some sand in his mouth and say, I used to be stupid too. I had a dream, because he says, I was a treasure hunter, I'm hunting treasure here. They're like, oh yeah, you're an idiot. I had a dream too, and my treasure was under a sycamore tree, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, never believe in your dreams, you fool. We just about killed you, and we're taking your gold. Sayonara, sucker. Wait a minute. So and this then, sycamore tree is significant because... No, get this. Book over. Book over. That's the end of the book. Because he's found his treasure. It's the last he, sentence in the book. all the way back at the beginning so now of the story. So now we go to the epilogue to get ah. the ending, a lot like Moby Dick, because now it doesn't really matter anymore. And what's obvious is that the sycamore tree was in his homeland in Shepherd Fields. He's... Well, he Go was sleeping under the sycamore treasure tree the whole time. When right he under the dream. dream. The most right. disappointing thing by a lot, spoiler alert coming, drum roll, please. All this time you read this book, personal legend, treasure, what could it be? It's got to be a metaphor for something. The metaphor is not a metaphor. It couldn't be any more literal. It is a chest of Spanish gold. <laughs> All it is is money. His personal legend is a bunch of money. <laughs> Under a tree, he marries Fatima. They have kids. The end. It defeats the purpose of every smart thing in the book. But see, I, um, I okay. My own little on personal minute, twist here is maybe it. You know, you might have to squint to see it. But you do. The, the idea that he wanted to be a traveler, and he oh, I like got that. to travel. Yeah. All like and and he traveled all over, and he came back home. So the actual that was his treasure is kind of the. Is kind of incidental to the fact that he got sure, the trap. Sure, that was the the MacGuffin, right? Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter the treasure. 
That's what Lance is saying. I think the whole thing is supposed to be about personal growth. And what I like about the book is this idea of human evolution and evolving. And the fact that we're not constant is going to be my main point that I want to talk about this because I'm going through changes like Ozzy Osbourne right now. Yes, and you I are going through changes right one now. One thing really weird about this, this book doesn't touch on, but I've noticed in my own life, is that we do evolve. We do change. And there's a quote in this book that says, when you evolve, everything around you evolves. Mm. And I think that's true. And I've been struggling with this as I get older where I feel like I've leveled up or learned things and gained insight and knowledge and the world has changed around me, and I'm viewed differently because of that, possibly. But I don't understand that people view me differently because of that. And um, that's something I feel like I might be struggling with that this book touches on but doesn't really address fully. So I feel like I'm going to be a preacher here for a minute, and we're going to read some scripture from the alchemist. Why do they make things so complicated? The boy asked the Englishman. The boy had noticed the Englishman was irritable and missed his books. Mm -hmm. And he says, so that those who have the responsibility for understanding can understand, he said. Imagine if everyone ran around transforming lead into gold. Gold would lose its value. How true. Hence the alchemist, hence all this stuff. And it kind of goes into this idea of personal knowledge, personal growth, and the people who study alchemy, they study their whole life, and there's this weird coded language, and what they're really trying to learn is how to evolve into the perfect form or evolve into the highest form and gold is the farthest evolution that man's ever seen which is why it's the most coveted and you're basically studying how to i don't know self-improve grow something sure so the book is called the alchemist and the kid the santiago winds up with a bunch of gold but it's not gold that was turned from lead into gold it just Coincidence. He does get one piece that has turned from lead to gold. Oh, he does. And he gets the crap beat out of him, and they take it. Aha. Uh-huh. But in a twist that was fairly predictable, there was another piece waiting for him because this kid is the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet. Nice. He always has a piece of gold waiting for him, even after it's taken. Well, there's a lesson there, right? That even the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet gets the living crap beaten out of him sometimes. <laughs> and that rich kids always win. It's a great story. Yes. It's good for all of us. So uh, Oprah Winfrey said about this book that it teaches you that if you have a dream, the universe will rearrange itself in order to make that dream come true. I've got that page marked, Oprah. And do you, do you believe this, Wild Bill? Do you believe that's the, the lesson of the book? Um, what, I, is the, what is the... The belief... There's the secret. A, what's that? The secret. The secret? No, I'm thinking law of attraction. That's the that's one I That's the secret. Thinking. Yeah, okay. The, oh, secret, that's the is secret is is like the marketing material for the law of I attraction. I see. I see. The law of attraction. Page 118. When a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person realize his dream. Now, when I heard Oprah say that, I realized that is how you make a lot of money. <laughs> you tell people that their wishes will come true, and they will give you money. Bob Dylan said the same thing in his memoirs, part one. Really? Yeah. He said that when he was starting to open up, become famous and everything, he felt like it was a whole thing set up, like the universe was unfolding, all his dreams were happening, everything he had seen. Well, it's easy for Bob Dylan and Oprah Winfrey to say those things, right? (laughs) It is, but... I mean, let's have someone who 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it depends. Do you think that their lives were easy becoming what they became? And that's what I would question. And what this book, I think, says is some of us are content being bakers. Some of us want to be Oprah Winfrey. I don't want to be Oprah Winfrey. I don't want to be Bob Dylan. I used to want to be Bob Dylan, but I don't want to be Bob Dylan Why now. Why not? But Bob Dylan wanted to be Bob Dylan. Really That's bad. the point. Until he didn't want to be Bob Dylan. And then he made the famous quote, Time Magazine doesn't, I don't need Time Magazine, they need me. Let them go find another Bob Dylan. I'm done. Wow. Think about that. And I also happen to think that that was the point he rejected the whole thing. And like, I can do anything I want and play with you fools because I am me and you... I, I'm going to put out some stupid stuff and like make you think it's cool. <laughs> and I'm really going to jack with you. You think, because it's, you think it's all been an uh, Andy Kaufman-esque kind there, of thing? Well, in the, believe it or not, or Lance, believe it or not, Lance, there, there's a contention in the Bob Dylan world that Bob Dylan seriously fucked with people, including his Christian phase, including his Christmas album, which was you know, more recent. I, I, I absolutely believe a little bit of that, <laughs> that the Christmas album is him trolling America. Fully, one hundred percent. And if you don't believe me, go listen how horrible his Christmas album <laughs> is. It's it's intentionally awful, uh, or beautiful. <laughs> and uh, there's another way to make a lot of money. What's that? Write a bunch of Christmas music. Write a bunch uh-huh. of Christmas music, and that's what you've done, Wild Bill. That's what I did. That's what all the greats do. You, you tell us about the honky tonk holidays. It's the best commercial event ever created in American history. And it's a musical about Christmas, about atheism, about drugs, about Capitalism. Children, children, rock and roll, capitalism. Yeah, it, it's basically, what it really is, is it's a playful comedy about how much uh, we put into to things sometimes. And I find it funny that a large group of people would convince their children to say, there's a fat man coming down your chimney to bring you presents. At the same time, they're saying, don't trust any strangers <laughs> in the world and uh, believe in Jesus and believe in God and believe in all these things you can't see. But trust me when I say this fat bastard is going to bring you everything in your in your world that you want. You want a fire truck? He's bringing it. I'm not bringing that fire truck. Santa Hell is. Hell no. Um, it's fascinating. And I'm about to write an Easter musical, but I'm here to talk more about the Christmas <laughs> musical. But it's going to be the same thing. Well, um, when, when can we see your Christmas musical? Christmas musical is going to be four dates this year, December 8th and 9th at a uh, warehouse space in East Austin. Uh, it's called Sta- uh, Santa's Stash Pot. You can't really look it up because it's a warehouse. But the address is 777 Shady Lane, number 7. Again, that's 777 Shady Lane, number 7. And if you get a DUI, that's 777 <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, I think we're about time for our lightning round, right? Well, did you say all four dates? Other two nights are at Samstown Point, uh-huh. 15th and 16th, outside under the stars. Wow. Yes. Outside, even. Yeah, we like to do it outside. So okay. we people don't like to do it outside. So we did two nights inside, two nights outside. And believe me, folks, if you haven't seen Wild Bill's Honky Tonk Holidays, uh, it's really Quite wonderful. The music is absolutely delightful. It's very, very funny. We've sold just under 20 million copies, and it's better than The Alchemist. <laughs> That's right. It is better than The Alchemist. Well, I'm hearing some thunder in the in the distance. Yes, the thunder you hear, the lightning you hear. The Oklahoma thunder. The Oklahoma City thunder that you hear in the, Defeated in the distance. Defeated the Golden State Warriors. Can only lot. mean that it is time for our lightning, lightning round. round. 
Oh, you have sound effects. Can, you ready? I, eat a, can I eat a whale? Are you ready? You can if if uh, if it's to uh, contemplate the okay. answer to. I'm going to put my lightning round glasses to these on. questions here. Putting the lightning round glasses on. All right. So, tell us about the first time that you fell in love with a book. First time I fell in love with a book, I think, might have been when uh, I got my first copy of the Bible, and I uh, I was a reader already. But I was really excited because I was raised in the church, and in third grade, they gave you a Bible. Mm. Wow. And I got that Bible. And, and you bo- loved it. Ah, I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't I like really it. I really didn't like it. I was proud to have it, and I thought, this is cool. Check it out. I got this thing. And then I went and looked, and you know what? All those uh, uh, coloring book pages they gave me in church and the pictures of Mary and Jesus and all the fun stuff we did, none of that was in that book. Uh, it was a lot of uh, really Really hard to read stuff. And sure, it really is a little King James version. Little deep for a th- uh, third grader. Yeah, it's a little. It's, it's a little hard to get through, isn't it? But I thought it was cool. And then the other book I'd put on that list. What's the exact wording of your question here? Uh, first time you fell in love with a book. Wrinkle in Time by far. Uh-huh. Wrinkle okay. in Time was it, and I'll tell you why. Because as a kid, I was forced to do all kinds of things I didn't want to do, as we are, and uh, books included. And I always had struggled with that because. There were a few books I really that they made me read that I wanted to read, and the stuff we read was just, you know, boring to me. And in sixth grade, uh, my uh, teacher made us read uh, *Wrinkle in Time*, and it was the first time I actually took a book home from school and thought, "This doesn't suck. Yeah, like yeah, I can, yeah. I can okay. get into this. I okay. actually kind of like this book. Hey, sure. maybe, maybe." The rest of my education will go like this, and it didn't. Nothing, <laughs> nothing was ever even close to as good as A Wrinkle in Time, ever. It's By the way, if you've answer. never read that, read that book because it's amazing. It was a amazing. dark and stormy night, and it's a best night. It's a uh, Oprah Winfrey tie-in again because she oh, made the movie. Take Me to Your Leader is also from that line. Yes, okay, and. If you're a real nerd in school, you had a teacher that said, take me to your reader, Ooh. which is not only uh, edgy in this political climate <laughs> we're in, but it's also a pretty fairly good pun, I guess. Yes, it is. Has the book ever changed your mind about anything? Um, this book kind of changes my mind about things. and I, I, it was The Alchemist? To, yeah, it was yeah. fun to reread because I had read this as a younger guy, and I thought, you know... Um, I love that book, and I was so excited because when you're younger, you tend to be more of a dreamer and more of a you know everything. And and now that I'm not, I was like, well, I'll read this book. And I was like, okay, this is a little, like this is for kids or whatever, a little cheesy, a little whatever. And then I was quickly drawn back in to mm. like, no, I'm into this stuff, and I'm into what it's saying. And as much as I'm making fun of it, I'm definitely into the omens now, and I'm definitely putting things together. And there's a danger to that, by the way. Don't go out just thinking that your <laughs> dreams are going to come true. As so, LB said. The alchemist changed your mind about the alchemist. It did, and it also gave me... <laughs> it, 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 it delightfully gave me a change of uh, perspective on modern society. I, it kind of just made me think, like, you know what? Life's too short. I tend to, uh, in the realm of entertainment, fight a lot of hard battles for no resolve or anything and uh, there's a term that a lot of austinites don't know that goes around about austin and it goes like this austin dot 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 it's just fucking exhausting (laughs) Exhausting. (laughs) and and if you're not doing the hustle you don't know and you can't speak to me but to do the hustle it's exhausting and uh, this book was a good shot in the arm because it's like you know what for all there there is it's like just keep doing your thing i think that's kind of what the book is saying 
if you're not dead or dying, you're probably doing okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Right. Okay. Has the book ever changed your life? Um, my life. It's the bigger brother of the the question before. This one's the funnest one. Um, I'm, and 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 I've read the Bible a lot, and I want to talk about the Bible, not just to be controversial today, but also to be controversial. <laughs> but I have read a lot of the Bible. I don't know if I found the Bible as life changing as some of the best fiction I've ever written or 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 read, I should say. Um, is there another question coming up? Yes, there is. I as want. A- Okay, you want that, you want that one next? Maybe. <laughs> Ready? I kind of did too much. I might be along. cheating a little bit in the lightning round. <laughs> Has a book ever made you cry? Brave New World. There Ooh. it is. This is the one. I want to talk about Brave New World. Uh, it made you cry? To tears of boredom. Uh, it's <laughs> really slow. Uh, oh, yeah, you didn't like Brave New World. No, I liked Brave New World. I was proud of myself. Brave New World's a book that you read probably like Moby Dick, where you're just proud of yourself for reading it. It's <laughs> I, like I did it. I, I, read I got it through and I, it. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to 1984 next, and it better not suck this bad. <laughs> but, uh, Brave New World is genius to apply. I think it's a little bit like Moby Dick realm, where it's like all this reading and four pages of plot. <laughs> but with Brave New World, it's like, gee, those four pages were kind of dark. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, uh, name a book that you have read more than once. Alchemist. Fantastic. Uh, Alchemist. And here comes the big one. Are you ready for this? Do you have any uh, poetry committed to memory? Oh, I forgot about this. Yes. I have a lot of poetry committed to memory, I guess. Do you, would you like to share some? Um, I would. Let me, let me think for one second if I can. Um, oh, boy. I want to say what I said to my best friend. Uh, I did uh, my best friend's wedding. I quoted a Bob Dylan song, uh-huh. and I had memorized a lot of Forever Young. There's some great <laughs> lines in there. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't remember a lot of it now, but uh, here, here's a toast to everyone. Raise a glass to those who have them. Raise a glass. To those who have them. Uh, what is it? May you... Uh, May you climb on every ladder and, and climb on every rung, and may you stay forever young, right? There you go. Wild Bill, everyone. And there's a lot more to that one. <laughs> um, I stopped in to a topless joint, and I stopped in for a beer. I don't remember the rhyme line for that, but it's a great line from a Dylan song. Sweet. I went into a topless joint, and I stopped in for a beer. It says it all, doesn't it? It's very poetic. Is, is that one of the... <laughs> That's the one of the ones he's trolling everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May you stay forever young. What's Thank your, what's you. What's your Robert. favorite uh, Dylan uh, album? I counted this morning that I own over ten albums. I stopped at ten because I can't count very much higher. Um, Blood on the Tracks is a fantastic album. Um, it's a divorce album, I think. Hmm. And there's another good divorce album. Um, whatever. Uh, don't think twice. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, it ain't me, babe. That's a great divorce song, but by far, my favorite Dylan song has got to be positively Fourth Street, uh, and it's not released on any album. It was a B side, and it was on the greatest hits. And uh, I could probably say a lot of really nasty poetry from that one. <laughs> and it starts off, "You got a lot of nerve to say you are my friend." Yeah, Damn. you. Uh, you just want to be on the side that's winning. Is uh, that's another great poetic line. Fantastic. Uh, Wild Bill, <laughs> it's been wonderful having you. Has it? It, <laughs> it really has, Wild Bill. It's always a pleasure. Can I eat a whale now? I'm eating one. You can eat your whale. Is it for you, crowd? Oh, crunch, eat it crunch. in the solid knowledge that you are 
uh, one of the greatest of all time. At basketball. Well, listen, like I said, all the greats do the Christmas thing, and uh, I am no exception. I would like to announce to everyone that I do have a Christmas book that has just been released. It is called uh, The Clash of the Christmas Clones. The book is is out. It is out, and it is available on Amazon. You can click the link on our website, which is pov-publishing.com. I am releasing said book officially at an art show that is taking place in San Antonio at Flight Gallery. Uh, The uh, opening events for the, the, the show are December 5th and 6th, so please come out. Check out all the beautiful artwork. There's uh, work by myself. There's work by Sterling Allen, uh, Robert Gonzalez, and Ryan Parker. And it's going to be a fantastic group show. I'm releasing the the book then, and uh, I'd love to see you. And maybe we can have copies at our Christmas musical for sale. I would love that. Four nights. Nice. Perfect idea. Beautiful. There Wonderful we go. idea. Okay, Overdose thanks. on Christmas, folks. OD, please do. Believe in what you want, I think, is the point of my Christmas play and this book. Okay. Believe in what you want. Just don't worry about it. But you got to go 100%. There you go. 100 You don't have to believe that part. More than physically (laughs) possible. But you have to give more than physically possible, or it's never going to come true, loser. (laughs) Thank you, Wild Bill. On that note, we we thank you, and we will be back next week with Kelly Bland. Hell yeah. Talking about the unbearable lightness of being. Or not not so bland, as it were. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Later.